sheets. I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh duh. Let's watch a Hi, welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. How are you, man? All right, ready to watch this film. Looking forward to a good episode because it's a good film. We are going to watch a good film this week. We are streaming right now, as we always do, every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on San Francisco's own Mutiny Radio. What is Mutiny Radio? It's an internet radio station. You can find it at mutinyradio.fm. You can hit it and you can stream it. The full afternoon uh, Sunday shows were just part of it. So make it an afternoon. But check it out. Listen to us first on Mutiny Radio. Listen to us next on our podcast, which uh, posts every Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. Uh, you have to find it by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Go ahead and subscribe. You'll hear the, the podcast. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube with the sound off, and you're going to listen, watch the movie and listen to our podcast at the same time. So you're going to have to find the YouTube. If you want to just not deal with it, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl is the producer of this show. You heard his fantastic theme song. He has researched this movie we're going to watch. He has also synced this movie and posted it on YouTube. And very shortly, Carl, we'll be hearing an interview you had with a celebrity comedian who will talk Correct. about their celebrity and their comedianness, and then give us a countdown to this movie. I'm really anxious. A good movie this week? Carl, what is this movie? This week, we will watch The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Don't, don't put in man. The Incredible Shrinking Woman, 1981. And the channel we like is Kenny Love Music Movie. Not Jimmy Eat World. Kenny Love Music Movie. That's the most inspirational uh, YouTube channel I've heard. So Kenny loves mo moves, music movies. Fuck you, books. Kenny doesn't like them. No, no, Magazines. no. Magazines. Movie is quicker. Goes yeah. right in. You know. Uh -huh. Video uh, too much for Kenny. So go ahead and find Shrinking the, Woman. The Incredible Shrinking Woman, 1981. Kenny loves music movies. You're going to find Kenny's link. Here's what we need you to do. We want you to enjoy the following interview coming up. And during the interview, we want you to hit, find the link, hit play, hit pause. Whoa, no, even worse. That, 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 two ads. Yes. So two ads will play. One, you just got to watch. The other one, you can skip at five. And one said, no, actually, I just got one ad today. Good for me, right? Lucky me. Yeah, I got one ad. After that ad plays, hit pause, move your timer to zero, zero, zero. And then while you're listening to the interview, the celebrity comedian, when they're done, they're going to give you the celebrity comedian countdown. And when they say go, we go. So, Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Chris Carfero. Welcome. Hey, Carl. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Now, we know each other out there on the comedy scene. Most of the time, it's open mics, less than shows. And I think you're very new to comedy. Maybe there was a pre-pandemic time, but, uh, you know, in the, in the context of things, right, it's pretty new. 
tell tell me why you got into comedy, how you got into comedy, and how long are we talking about here? Sure. So uh, before the pandemic, I had one of my friends who thought he was funny come at me and say, "Hey, I'm doing an open mic. I know you love comedy. Uh, why don't you come out and uh, try it out?" So me and him, we went to the uh, the original stand in New York City. Uh-huh, the original first one, yeah. open mic, yeah. Um, that dirty, dingy basement. <laughs> I was like, we've made it. This is how comedy should be. And I told a story uh, about my dad, something I've told to all my friends, family, hundreds of times, you know. So I already knew that it was going to be a decent story to tell. And we got some laughs. But for us, we were like, first time we got laughs. Comedy's easy. Like, it's done. <laughs> it then really is. We went, yeah. Then we went back the second week, tried actual material, and just played to crickets. <laughs> so mm. I took a little bit of time off after that. Uh, I had to check the ego a little bit. But then um, – Was that I'd Laughing say, Buddha? What's that? Was that Laughing Buddha? So, yeah, it was uh, early on in the Laughing Buddha. I don't think they had a formal uh, agreement yet with the stand. But now if you go to the stand, it's all Laughing Buddha shows right. as far as the open mic, um, which I like those people. They're nice. Um they let you on, and they, they give you some good encouragement. Those are always good mics to do. Um, but then I took a little time off, and then I really because missed it. Because of the so, pandemic? Because of the pandemic? or So that was in 2017. So I took about till uh, early 2019 to get uh-huh. back into it. I really needed some time to let that ego cool off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So then I went real hard um, on comedy, going all the open mics. Uh, I actually saw you for the first time. We didn't uh, meet then, but I saw you at uh, Scotty's Comedy uh, Cove. Yeah. And I saw you do the first mic flip. And I was like, oh, comedy is more than just telling stories. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I hit up the scene a little bit, did a couple showcases in the city, uh, actually got uh, the industry room at uh, Broadway Comedy Club. I won that competition. So I had a little bit of a residency. And then right at the turn of that, pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a scientist, uh, former scientist, I guess you could call it at this point. Well, you're Um, between jobs, right? Right, right. I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus. (laughs) You're educated. You are a scientist. Right. So literally, right, we hit the pandemic. I think comedy's dead. So I'm like... I might as well just double down on science because hopefully this is the only pandemic I'll ever see in my entire lifetime. I think it would be pretty good to get that on a resume. <laughs> so I did that. And did then, you do any um, Zoom shows during the pandemic? No, I literally just said, Chris, if you're going to do something, you have to do it all the way. Um, it looks like that's going to be science. You know, I didn't really have a lot of connections at the time in comedy. So I didn't know who I could ask where they were doing Zoom shows, you know, uh, where the uh, outdoor shows were. So right. I, I literally just said, it's time for you to be a scientist, time to help out the community. And then I was like, I'm just having fun. <laughs> I need to get back into comedy. Now, you do a lot of jokes about growing up rural, right? Growing oh, yeah. up country. Tell me about that. Where did you grow up? How did this influence your comedy? And uh, what's the contrast now? Uh, I mean, we're, this isn't ur- an urban setting, but still, you know, tell us about the difference. Of course. So uh, I grew up in Long Valley, New Jersey, which uh, if anyone doesn't know where that is, 
It's in Morris County, right up against the Pennsylvania border. Um, and I grew up right across from a horse farm. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty rural. Uh, I had like a quarter mile long driveway. Uh, so it's definitely different. I live in Hoboken right now. Yeah. And uh, just the, the sounds at night, I'm used to, you know, hearing like raccoons and, and deer and bear. Sure. And those things are what put me to sleep, you know? When I hear a siren, I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. got to be an emergency. Exactly. But I feel like that has definitely uh, influenced my comedy, at least uh, up until this far. Uh, I mean, the great juxtaposition between where I grew up and where I uh, am living now. Plus, I also went to school in the Bronx at Fordham University. There's just so much that an outside observer who's never experienced any of this, mm-hmm. like you can just take in. I've never experienced Ubers until you know, probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. So that whole experience is one thing that's still kind of blowing my mind. I don't understand how you could have a stranger just pick you up in a car. Now, from in Long Valley, still within 50 minutes, you're in the city, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and Morristown, that's, you know, I mean, you weren't so removed, right? right. Is it really so secluded? It's pretty crazy because I would say up until college, um, maybe a little bit in high school, I thought Morristown was the big city. Uh-huh. You know, we pl- <laughs> I played football in uh, high school. We played Morristown every single year. And uh-huh. when we would go there, we were like, all right, are we going to have police escorts or something? It's pretty dangerous out there. Yeah, it's and dangerous then, in Morristown. Yeah, later on, I met someone from the Morristown football team, and uh, we actually had a cow walked across our football field right before a state championship or not state championship Mm -hmm. state playoff game when we were playing Morristown and they were like we'd never seen anything like that we were just waiting for a bear to come eat the cow (laughs) so it wasn't just me I always felt like it was just me projecting but it's other people it's yes uh, it's a whole new world Okay, now I want to get to this movie podcast you have a huge movie podcast (laughs) what's the name of it well, it's called The Huge Movie Podcast <laughs> because it's all-encompassing, right? So it's me, um, my friend from home, Connor Garrigan, uh, John Gallagher, a new friend, and Jack mm-hmm. Mayberry, our producer. What we're doing every week is we've taken the IMDb Top 100 Movies of All Time list, and we've put that into a giant bracket, right? So we use the seating from that to make our matchups. Um, and every single week we take one matchup, we argue about which movie should be moving on, which one's best. We argue why that is. And, uh, overall we're hoping to see what the actual greatest movie of all time is Uh in our opinion. Gotcha. Um, We've had a very, very big disagreement with IMDb. Uh We hate Citizen Kane, as I've told you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most overrated movies there is, and it if is. everyone disagrees, come listen to the podcast, come comment, and I'll fight you on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rosebud, not uh, the most uh, revealing ending. Uh, I don't know. Like we were talking in person, you know, it was um, it was it was shocking to people at the time, and that made it very popular. And now it's gotten to the point. You're right; it's overrated. At least yeah. in my opinion, I'm with you guys there. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's not to say that at the time these movies weren't good or on the cutting edge. 
But as one of the main theme, themes we've been talking about, because we're still in the lower ranked movies, those yeah. tend to be the older movies that have fallen out of favor with people. We've noticed that the technology for when these old movies came out were cutting edge at the time, right? Yeah. It influenced a bunch of different movies. However, the movies that are being produced right now have taken what they've done, expanded upon it, and it's like anything. The old's going to come out and the new's going to replace it. Yeah. Not saying that those weren't great movies at the time, but there's better stuff now because of those old movies. Yeah. So you can still have an appreciation. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, Chris Cafiro, how can people find you out there on the internet, on social media? Do you have a website? Do you have YouTube? Uh, is Instagram your haunt? H how can people f find you and find out what you're up to? So biggest two things, uh, Instagram and YouTube, uh, both of those are at Chris Carfaro. Um, in Instagram and YouTube are both where you'll find the uh, podcast as well, uh, the Huge Movie Podcast again. Uh, I'm on Twitch at uh, Topher Carf. So it's the end of Christopher and the first four <laughs> letters of Carf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's so basically it. So people who are listening to the audio version know the last spelling of your last name. It's like Car, then Far, then an O. Car, yeah, Car, Far. Oh. <laughs> very nice. But it's Car Pharaoh. It's Car Pharaoh. Yes. Okay, now Chris. Chris Car Pharaoh. Everyone at home poised to watch this film same time we do here in the studio so everyone at home has got to press play on their device at the exact same time as we do here in the studio so why don't you go ahead chris Cafaro, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown all right i've been waiting for this here we go three two one go Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown, for your Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Very interesting. I can't wait to listen to it later. Right, we're starting off with Universal, the old school intro. Yeah, this is a Universal movie. It really appeals to all audiences. Universally. <laughs> oh, there's no CC on this. Uh, Kenny, come on, we need closed captioning. Well, right. Tom Lily Tomlin, it says for you, Charles Grodin. Oh, it's Star Pack. It's, it's, it is star pack. Ned, Ned Beatty? Beatty. Listen, you can't have Charles Grodin without Ned Beatty. Good point. I love the graphics. Talk about 1981. Yeah. It's like your calculator's graphic. Your pocket calculator. See how they what? zoomed in? This, the cast is full blast. Mark Blankfield. Who's Mark Blankfield? He, we saw him as the star in The Jerk 2. That's right. He was the star. That's right. And he does his job in this film. I mean, he really does a good job. You know, he's very much a comedic actor. There's lots of um, Pratt Hall kind of things. Now, so Mike... what this movie is trying to do is talk about how awful consumerism was in the 70s. How it, I mean, this is 81, it's released, but it was shot in the 70s. And so is this some actual commercial? So this guy's actually on the street. It's from a supermarket. Right. And he's trying to get people to try the product. And it's basically Cheese Whiz. Um, and, of course, Cheese Whiz tastes gross, I think, personally, myself. A lot of – the more sodium, the better it tastes. Oh, and I agree with you on that. So that's the joke. People are going to try the product and blech. 
This whole movie is talking about the consumerism, and it blames her shrinking on these chemicals, you know, from all the products. Based, suggested by the novel, Shrinking Man. Right. Now, in 1957, there was a movie called The Incredible Shrinking Man, and they're trying to say that this movie is a parody of it, but it's not. It's just the title. It's just a parody of the title, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a book in 1956 called The Shrinking Man, and it was uh, authored, let's see. Yeah, here it is. The guy's name is Richard Matheson. He hated this film. He thought it was terrible and unfunny. Oh, no, that poor guy. He must have seen the yeah. wrong movie. Yeah, he's a famous Twilight Zone science fiction writer, Richard Matheson. Look, look. He, she, he just shoves she, he just shoves the crackers in her mouth. Lily Tomlin is just a consumer coming out of the grocery, and she's been ambushed. Right, all on television, too. Let's see what he says. She's reading a book. That's how I do it. I have my four kids on the shopping cart while I push a novel. <laughs> now her kids are the typical 70s kids they are not well disciplined they're out of control because kids will be kids is the way we thought of it back then so oh, they right. chaos and trouble and also it's about the craziness of life with kids that accidents will happen and that's what's just about to happen this curious little girl uh they are so can Back in the 70s, that's instant death. Now, I, I guess yeah. that's a cleaning product or something. They're really struggling it with. Now, every movie has an inciting incident that kicks off our movie. Like you see the beginning of the hero's regular world, and then something happens that rips them away from that regular world. Well, uh, this movie doesn't do a good job with the inciting incident. We really don't know what is making her shrink. When I saw the film as a kid, and that's why I suggested it. I did too. So I thought she fell into a vat of chemicals and it, it affected her. But no, that was actually the ending. And I will get to that. So, oh, man, okay. look at those melons. <laughs> it's more of the craziness of suburban life. and. I'm, I'm, one thing I should mention up front during the opening credits, this is written by Jane Wegman and directed by yeah. Joel Shoemaker. And and I right. think uh, with Lily Tomlin and uh, Charles Grodin, I only saw this movie in 1981, but yeah, yeah it stuck with me. This film, I really liked it to too. Me. I really yeah. did, and I I don't know if I liked it, but it stuck with me too. It's it does a, a trick, and again, like I'm watching, I can't say I'm rewatching it if it's been 42 years, but yeah, right, you can't. Yeah. I know, but it's like what I remember as a kid was that it was entertaining. But it had a real message about like this, like a really strong feminist message in this because she literally is neglected in this movie, and uh, she's like wow. just an item. She's an object in her little dollhouse, literally in this film. And the husband ignores her, and he's trying to be heard. And I, I just no. remember, no, that's not the movie no. I saw forty-one years ago. No, she is a 
major character in this film who is not overlooked at all. She is but the husband, loved by the husband. Really? Okay. Right. Absolutely. But don't you think it's a metaphor being trapped in a dollhouse and being small in a room whose voice is small? I think it could be a metaphor. If this movie, movie had a small woman who was ignored, she is large and in charge in this film. Now, are we seeing two Lilies? We are. We're seeing two Lily Toms. She'll play four people in this, four characters, and two of them are made famous from um, from from Latin, which was her start, really. Let's now, see. she was in, most recently in a movie called 80 for Brady, but this movie, right. she's like 40 for Brady, right? Because it's 42 years ago? Yeah, I suppose, yes. She probably is in her early 40s here. Now, the woman who... She, She's sitting across from herself. Now, this neighbor is named Judith Beasley, and she was a character really from Tom Lily Tomlin's live comedy shows, uh, more than laugh-in. We'll see that telephone operator. Oh, one ringy-dingy? But it's like a cameo kind of thing. Luann, I think. No, Luann was the child uh, she did. Let's see. Ernestine, a telephone operator, and Edith Ann was a little girl who would sit in the big chair. She'd pretend to be a little girl, and that was on Laughing. That didn't make it into this film, but it did make it into the TV version of this film. Oh, how cool is that? For no other reason, because they had the footage. It's like, here, I'm going to leave these products with you. She goes, I have no room in my house for these products. She goes, no problem. <laughs> they stick to the wall. More products. <laughs> That'll be throughout the film. It's sort of like an Avon lady kind of takeoff. Consumerism just trying to sell right, to all to of house, the birds. Literally, literally in your own home. And the husband, of course, has a job doing advertising for products. Gotcha. Now we're having a funny bit, and they're doing the crazy music of got to put all the groceries away. This is uh, me and my house. It's that I don't put them away. I just eat them. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we're well. We're to the pop tart. Oh, never mind. Now we don't have bags anymore at the store. Do you guys still have that in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, you California has a law. This takes place in California again. When we saw this, we were in New Jersey, and I always had a idealized fantasy of what California was like because of films like this. But as mm -hmm. it stands today, you can get a bag. You just pay a dime. Because oh, okay. Is it a plastic bag or a reusable? It really, it really depends on the comp on the store, but it's usually a plastic or paper bag. And like at Trader Joe's, I'll get a double paper bag, or I could buy like the little reusable Trader Joe's bag, say. But if I do the double bag, that's twenty cents. But it's you know what? When that law passed like ten years ago, right? I, it was fine. I just need the fucking bags. I'll right. pay the extra ten cents. I reuse the bags. Yeah. Anyway, so now here comes Charles Grodin after his business trip. And he like did really well, and they gave him an hour long presentation. They gave him a standing ovation. Now look, that's love. That is love. Yeah. It's not an ignored woman, and it's all going to be about them tonight. Great. Oh, with the kids too. The kids are not. Well, happy the kids, like, daddy's home, and they're like, "Hi, dad." And he goes, "All right, I guess the presents will wait." And they go presents, and they run. The good, good. Uh, that's good airport presents right there. Yeah. Right. Welcome right. to Seattle. They I make that joke, Mike. Oh, they do. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's a dead ringer. But you have to expect it, right? Mm-hmm. And for the lady... <laughs> now, Joel Shoemaker and... Well, you know, I don't know if you remember Lily Tomlin had a woman, one-woman show called In Search of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Yes, it, yes. And that was one of her first big things that made her a famous comedian. That's written by Jane Wegman, who wrote the screenplay. Well, that... She would Jane uh, Wagner is her Wagner. wife in yeah. real life. For decades, they met. Let's see, they met so long ago. Um, she made her writing debut CBS Afternoon Special JT in 1969. She won a Peabody Award for that, and that drew the attention of Tomlin, who was looking for someone to help develop the laugh-in character Edith Ann. So that's okay, it was the beginning the, of a collaboration. They fell in love, and and they're they're together today. Back when she was twenty for Brady. What? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, she wrote and directed Moment by Moment, starring Tomlin and John Travolta. She wrote this. Oh, yes. uh, well, it's a long list of things. They're not all collaborations with uh, Lily Tomlin, yeah. but most of them are. And most... I think she's very comfortable with that. I saw a really good movie with Lily Tomlin called Grandma. It came out maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. And that starred the woman who would go on to be in Ozark and yeah, get the... very successful. She wasn't at the time, but she really did a good job. She really played the um, meek, uh, you know, she was a girl in trouble. And yeah. Grandma was helping. Grandma was helping. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's going through names for perfumes. How about intense? How about the thing? And, and Lily Tomlin goes, how about sex pot? And the next thing you know, he's in the office going, sex pot. Sex pot? <laughs> it's bold. I like it. It's direct and to the point. It's, it's hard for marketing. I love now, it. this is a little sick because they want to overhear their parents having sex. But when the parents really do start to have sex, they leave, which is the proper thing to do as a little pig kid. Now, remember I told you about the inciting incident. What right. is making her shrink? We really don't get to see it except for in this scene, there's like a hint. See, they're going to do it now, and the kids just recognize that and walk away. Oh, good. Panning over to what might be the inciting incident, what else could it be? So does he shrink in this scene? I could explain how he had a long trip. That's the thing I was thinking. If this is the inciting incident, then why why isn't he shrinking? Oh, all the chemicals from the yeah. neighbor. I guess from the neighbor. Is it from the neighbor? I, I there, that was on a box on the shelf. Right. So here he is in the office going sex pot. Look at that baby's hair. God bless him. I just think of sex and dope. Sex pot. <laughs> I love it. It's a shame. You know, we always say, like, if you want to see this movie, it's on YouTube. So, you know, yes. we're going to talk over it. It's our podcast. But... Well, yeah, I recommend that you see this film. Now, look, this isn't the greatest film in the world. But you are going to laugh, and you are going to enjoy it, and everyone's charismatic in it, but it's not the greatest film ever, and it's not just drop-dead hilarious. 
Um, are you, are so, you a fan of the director? Are you aware of the director? Well, the, this director is a big deal, uh, and this is his premiere as a director. This is his first film directing. Knocks he it out. was really a costume designer, a production designer, and he was an author. He wrote Car Wash, and he wrote The Wiz. As uh, yeah, the screenplay. Joel Schumacher, yeah, yeah, he wrote the screenplay. Now he did DC Cab, Saint Elmo's Fire. You know this guy, of course. Uh, the Lost Flat Boys, Flatliners. But yes, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. He's out there. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Tell me, tell well, me, you look at the list. Tell me his last films, because he did one where... Um, in... 2011, he did Trespass. 2011, he did Man in the Mirror. 2010, he did 12. Huh. 2009, he did Blood Creek. 2007, he did the number 23. That's the Jim Carrey movie. Jim Carrey movie. 2004, Phantom of the Opera. Huh. Okay, I but check this was... out, Mike. The original director of this film was John Landis, who walked away from the production and walked right into American Werewolf in London. So he walked out of this and into tremendous success. He didn't like the budget. The budget was going to be $30 million, and then they cut it to eleven. And he goes, what? Fuck this shit. And then it was thirteen, But in the end, it was $20 million because of all the shrinking stuff. So John Landis, this was going to be his film, and wow. he walked away from it. And it and it launched um, Joel Shoemaker. You know, I, I'm going to plug a friend of mine, uh, David Gebro, who is a fantastic uh, guy. And he has a music podcast called Discography. So think of the word disco and the graffiti. Discography. Graffiti. Discography. Okay. And um, that's how it's spelled. He has a six-part interview with John Landis, who he's, he's been a six colleague part. of his. He's known John Landis for like 20 years, yeah. And right now, the first one came out, and he talks about being in Europe, his big break, and doing Slock, his first movie. So I'm going to listen and see what he has to say about Incredible Shrinking Woman. Yeah, he might. Yeah. Okay, now one of the products they sell is Galaxy Glue. And so it was a blessing that the base got broke because he could try the product that they're selling. But what's going to happen is Galaxy Glue is going to get on everything. There's going to be a big chaos suburban crisis lifestyle with um, the Galaxy Glue getting everybody stuck. Now, you, you definitely say like suburban lifestyle and everybody because the whole neighborhood is here. Right. Now, this is where it starts. The Galaxy Glue is on her fingers. And now it's, I mean, the stuff is so good Everybody who touches anybody who's got galaxy glue is stuck. He's wearing a Hulk Dracula costume? Yeah. It's more of the... Monster. I don't know. When my kids were... I, I mean, I'm not a strict disciplinarian or something, but when my kids were raised, like, it was... There was order. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a scene like this would never happen. Like... <clears throat> right. No, it was... just wearing their Halloween costumes around the house would not. That's eh, not really true. I guess. That's not true. They do whatever. They she has three kids, right? Oh, pop, hang yeah, on, pop three kids, a, a, da- um, a daughter and a son. Oh, two kids and a dog. Okay, so now for the first time ever, we're gonna get like some indication that something's wrong. The straps on her overalls are really loose. 
and the the bracelet she always wears is slipping off her. It's the first indication yeah. that it's something shrinking. weird is going on. Nobody puts two and two together. Uh. He's yeah. like, are you losing weight? Well, that's a big fruit loop. Toy surprise. Yeah, now look, he goes to kiss her, and she's shorter than he expected. So she kisses. He kisses her like face instead of lips. Oh, so they do go to the doctor, right? Lee Van Cleef, right? Is and it? It's just like you're short. You weigh less. You're losing pounds, and nobody loses height. So that's a little concerning. It's a little weird. Now, look, I think this neighbor, you see how she's yeah. now walking through and she's short? I think this neighbor is too much like Lily Tomlin. It doesn't come off well. Everybody could see it's her twice. Is that your sister? You know? Right. Okay, so now they have the dilemma of she isn't a shrinking person as much as she's losing. Like, they think she's losing height. But now she's starting to realize she's losing everything. Oh, yeah. Look at those. Man, I, I, it's so cheap. They need another ten million to build that. That's that props you. Well, the thing is, they were given eleven. They said we can't do the shrinky stuff with eleven. They said, "All right, have 13. But in the end, it was twenty because they had to do sets with incredibly large, comfy chairs and couches so that she could appear small. And you know, it's all practical effects, but it's done pr more commercialism. They just they just cut to a commercial. One thing I do remember as a kid watching this movie is that two-thirds into this film, they do like a blackout like they would normally do for a TV show before going into a commercial. And yeah. then it comes back to show where her life is then. Like she disappears and she's Passes dead. And like, time. Yeah, like there's like a fake blackout or something like uh, in this movie. And I remember that. And I remember like a half expecting to see a commercial follow it. Yes. <laughs> Now, you can see the x-rays there. You know, she's getting smaller, and they're going to, like, send her for tests. Now, Kleinman Institute. Now, Kleinman, apparently, in another language, it's probably German, means small. Um, oh, that's cute. Lena Kleine Nachtmusik, a little na a little night music by Bozart. Thank you for telling me what that means. I had no idea. So it's their joke. Now it's like, we did... Uh, DNA tests and he's they're listing all the tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and tests and they don't know what it is. So in the end, the, it's pretty funny. The the guy's like, okay, what is it, doctor? And he goes, yeah, I, uh, you're getting smaller. <laughs> we know that. He goes, from what? And he goes, well, it's a combination of, and then he lists every product. Now, he oh, okay. is a co-star on Laugh-In. Henry Gibson. Right. Oh, that's right. So it's a little Laugh-In reunion. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the woman, we see her every now and again. Uh, he's also, she was in 9 to 5 as the, I don't know. She doesn't really jump out at me. That's why I'm hesitating here because I have her name. But here it is, Dr. Ruth Ruth. She started in the first thing I recognized was the Happy Hooker, but she was in Nine to Five and okay. 
haven't seen Happy Joker in a while. She was an actress for seventy years. That I'm, I'm not doing her justice talking her up here. Oh, turn it up because. This is why she's shrinking. Mouthwash, hairspray, breath spray, feminine hygiene spray, deodorant, toothpaste, detergent, eye drops, nose drops, hair coloring, diet soda, birth control pills, and smog set off by violence already present in your system. <laughs> they don't know what it is. I love that it's also like California, you got to throw the smog in. Do you, you recognize her face? You see, she's just sort of unrecognizable. She's a very yeah. bland-looking. I don't. I have to rewatch those films just to, to, but I'll keep an eye out. I she haven't was seen regarding Henry, the Adams sure. family. She was in Quiz Show. Oh, I remember her in Adams Family, right? She probably was like, "Hello, I have a normal request," and then the family <laughs> does something crazy, and they cut to her reaction. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Abigail Craven and Dr. Pinder Schloss in the Adams family. It's very forgettable. She was uh, Sarah Roosevelt in Hyde Park on Hudson with Bill Murray. Oh, uh, God. That's the one where he's like uh, FDR and he has yes. And he's, she's all over TV, all in the family murder she wrote, Law and Order Criminal Intent in 2002. She, she's uh, enough said about her. Enough said. So now they're like, honey. She's like, we should talk about our marriage because this is affecting. And she goes, as long as you're wearing this ring, there's nothing different between us. And then the ring slips off. off. I remember that. He goes, let's go home. I also remember he was sexually frustrated, right? Well, he's reading a book called Sex Without Marriage Without Sex. And then one time he's talking to Ned Beatty and he's like, don't even ask about our sex life. And Ned Beatty was like, I was not going to. <laughs> but that's it. That's all we get. He isn't really, he doesn't show frustration, but for yeah. those two. Oh, no. Womp womp. Joel, Joel Shoemaker, the director, he passed away, I believe. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joel, I don't have, I don't have that information. I just focused on how this was his launch yeah um, no it's a, good, it's a good one and dc cab is another comedy like he didn't really yeah. pursue comedy after that like his action films are funny you know and his stories are, have some humor to it right definitely batman his two batman and robin movies were definitely like meant to be funny yeah that's this is why superman works alone right shoemaker described himself as extremely promiscuous saying in a 2019 interview that he became sexually active at age 11, estimating he had sex with between 10,000 to 20,000 men over the course of his life. Now, how can you say 10,000 to 20,000? That's a full 10,000 men I might have slept with, but I guess he's just trying to say I was promiscuous. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he lost count. He clearly... Now, Shoemaker said the first person he knew who died from the AIDS epidemic in 1983 was not promiscuous, leading Schumacher to believe he would die soon. Huh. Oh, yeah. It must have quadrupled my chances, and I was planning my death, although he never contracted the disease. Carl, I just want to mention one of the great joys of watching movies is when they go to supermarkets because you get to see <laughs> what was on the shelves in that time period. So you saw the smoke meat sign in the back. Yes. 
you know, and like you have the sodas by the produce. Because it's Sunkist orange. You put the orange soda by the because it's like a fruit. Yeah. Now, this this um big um this big grocery cart she's in, the prop yeah. later in the Jackass movie, that is they oh, no use shit. this prop. This is yeah, and you know Jackass was a billion years later. Right, and well that uh shopping cart on is one of their like iconic scenes i guess like you, you um, 2000 you... yeah the large shopping cart prop from the grocery store scene was re later reused in jackass the movie 2002 Jeez, so this is like 81 so you're talking 31 years yeah that thing stayed alive okay now lily tomlin has had enough because everyone's gawking so she says to the other lily tomlin take me out of here and sneak me out oh no but so, mel blanks here's what Mr. Whipple from Charmin. There is nothing in this now let me just talk about him because he'll never show up again, okay? Sure. We know, please don't squeeze the Charmin, and that was why this guy's famous. And you would think that that was it. But no, man, check this out. This guy was in... I'm talking, it started in 1958. In Wagon Train, he was the bartender. He was in The Texan. He was in The Untouchables. He was in The Rifleman. He was in The Virginian, Perry Mason, Ben Casey, Twilight Zone. It goes on forever. But what's really funny is the characters he plays. Um, uh, he was in Gomer Pyle as clerk number three. He was in Petticoat Junction as airline clerk. <clears throat> Let me find some. Oh, here he is. He was yeah. in Bewitched as Man in Bar. He was in a million things. He has so many credits in which his credit is drunk. He was in. Uh, he was in Bewitched as drunk. Drunk. He was in Alice 1979 TV show as drunk. Oh, you think he was drunk in the diner? Mel would have 86. The guy. <laughs> yep, he would have. You maybe that's how the scene went down. Uh, he was in Gidget. He was in the Munsters as Al. He was in McHale's Navy as Dino. He was in That Girl as Clerk. He was in The Flying Nun as Joe. I mean, it's just funny. So anyway, he he would finally make it as Please Don't Squeeze the Charmin Lady. And that went on for decades. That did? Well, yes. Uh... That went on from 65 through 89. That's a long-ass run. Then That's he came back for one year in 1999 to 2000. He got cast again as Mr. Whipple. But do you notice, like, those bears, that bear family ate them? Did, you, did I ever tell you that story? The no. reason why you see, like, toilet paper now is, like, bears. It's Charmin, good. right. Charmin, yeah. the bears ate him. The bears ate Mr. Whipple. They mauled his ass. <laughs> He squeezed him. Now, what we're seeing here is her life is changing because she's super small, and the 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 help Concepcion is the one who's like becoming the mom. The mom. It's like it's a big downer. So, in typical 1970s fashion, this was shot in February of '79. They are. There were only three networks back then, and so if there was a little bit of news, everyone would descend. Look how she has a smartphone. I, wait a minute. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's got an iPhone. Oh no, she's one of those time travelers with a cell phone that pop up in pictures and, and videos. So the yup, because that's a real thing. So the TV is blowing up with her, and she's on the cover of People and Time and Life. It's unrealistic. They're it's using unreal. real titles in this parody movie. Like they're not saying it's. They real. always did that. No, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll fake it. Like a fake magazine. Yeah, they'll have a different name. You, it's implied that it's life. I don't know if you okay, saw now, that. They yeah. just turned on the garbage disposal. Right, and that we're supposed to remember that because there'll be a later scene. Okay, now she's gonna spill some dishes, right? And Charles Grodin has this funny story. His mom and his wife were upset with him that he does not help Lily Tomlin with the dishes. Let me see. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, his mother and some of her fr his friends were upset with him because his character didn't help his partially <laughs> shrunken wife when she dropped the stack of dishes, but only shook his head. Groton tried to explain that the to his mother that Lily Tomlin handling a stack of oversized dishes in that scene. If he tried to help her, they would have seen that he wasn't. She wasn't tiny, and the reaction shots were done separately. Oh, and the yeah. mother just didn't understand the explanation. He tried to tell her three times. So he's, she goes, oh, forget it. And she just... <laughs> yeah, because this is what? It's gone a few years after Star Wars. People are still don't understand special effects. Boom! Uh, uh, go help him, her Charo. Okay, this guy, I know his face from Scrooge. He was oh, I never the saw Scrooge. How about that? What's I mean, that? I never saw Scrooge. Oh, okay. Stop what you're doing. Uh, let's pause the podcast. Okay, pause and the go podcast. watch Scrooge and then come back All because right. you have to see it. Carl, I'm back. Okay. How uh, did you enjoy? Yes, and may I be the first? Oh, Bill Murray, right? May I be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas? Oh, well, thank yeah, you, Scrooge. Yeah. I haven't seen it because it's a Merry Christmas movie. That's all. Oh, Mike Douglas. Oh. Yeah, we're going to see Mike Douglas. We're going to hear him sing a song now. <laughs> he was a staple, man. Like, uh, this is a big, big thing for him. And he's been in other movies as himself, too. Yes, he had a huge show. It was around the time of Dinah Shore. It was pre-Oprah days. Um, pre, I get whatever, like Carrie Underwood. It was an afternoon show, pre-Ellen. Yes. Well, pre-Ellen is, of course, but I'm saying it was... Pre-9-11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you might know that guy, not from Scrooge then, but he was in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. He was, sure. he was in Superman on Smallville. You probably don't. I've seen him in Gremlins. He was an advertising spokesperson in RoboCop 2. He was a mobster in Payback. I've seen all those movies. Oh, he's singing right now. Hang on, let's hear Douglas. Oh. Well, Ned Beatty's saying she can't go out there and indict the products of America. She's going to ruin our businesses. Oh, right. And Gordon has a stake because it's his wife. Right, so Gruden's like, can't we at least have a thing that this might be harmful to your size on the, you know. But Lily Tomlin won't. M Mike Douglas will ask her straight out, what is making you shrink? This is what I want to know. This is what the world wants to know. And she just goes, it's undetermined right now. And Ned Beatty breathes a sigh of relief. But Henry Gibson says it's all those products. 
he does, but the truth is he was also, he didn't know what kind of bullshit exploit, plus a condition you already had. Yeah, right. Okay, so there's the weather. I guess Mike Douglas, is this his national show or is this a special show? or No, it's his regular talk show. See, Lily Tomlin, too, the neighbor, was like, go ahead and listen to his art. His... This is what America wants, not an indictment of danger. And you want to give them what they want, don't you? Yeah. he's also like in in network he gives a similar spiel remember he was the one who tells uh howard lamb that you countries don't matter money matters yeah that was his big speech that was a huge movie yep and that was a big speech so it's funny to see him kind of do the same character but more comedically yeah his white suits well, they were always color-coordinated. Whatever yeah. the color was, his three pieces would be that. He's not the only one wearing a three-piece suit in this movie. Grodin casually wears one. And so does Ned Beatty. Yeah. And I guess this was when it was... I mean, three-piece suits had always been around, I guess, since the 20s, but they got a resurgence in the 70s we watched a bunch of movies uh in the 80s where people casually like if you watch tv shows like character actors will just have a Jefferson. yeah but i don't think i've ever seen anyone wear it it's not that now, i don't this like is it. the kind of thing that cost a bunch of money to make a giant set and she has land a this out box. i'm out yeah i mean this is all pre-cgi and pre-9-11 <laughs> you can't, you can't pre- say pre without much. this is uh, this is pre the 2024 well, this just, is pre my I, son i'm just saying like I, I can't say pre anymore without saying 9-11 <laughs> my dad walked the earth at this time pre-9-11 pre-9-11 so right pra- practical effects and they did it by splitting the you know, you you never see his hand go behind her. They right. Split, there's your fan club. It's so funny that they they spend all this time and money and special effects on a scene where she's on TV talking to Mike Douglas. Like there, there's some humor in that, like the emptiness of it. Like you know, where else do you state your case but on Mike Douglas? Well, that was the you know with only three networks and no internet and this is how people got disseminated information and news so that present it was just i never realized the pre i've seen this a bunch of times and the present was just for a step stool it wasn't a yeah real right she brought it, it, turn, it, it turn it up turn it up it's cutting to commercial oh she goes finally she made this joke finally i'm getting heard now that i'm shrinking and i can tell my story and she goes We'll be right back. After and then the they cut the Galaxy Glue commercial. But I wanted you to turn it up because it's going to be the point of what's making you shrink. Now everyone has one question in mind, and I have that same question in my mind right now. Why are you shrinking? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, man, look at this. Every not word. Uh, go ahead. I guess everyone else is dressed preppy. It hasn't been determined yet, Mike. Right on. Okay, <laughs> uh, this group here that you're seeing, it's the... This group is called the... Um, uh, the group of like for world management, and they're like an evil organization headed by um, Henry Gibson. And their plan is to get a sample of her blood to make a serum in which they could shrink everybody in the world, sealing them their power. Great, and this the is the classic world management. And this is a really good movie trick, which is that they change the narrative from her to outside forces. Like, the story is bigger than her. Yeah, they're the bad guys, and that's right. They're going to try all sorts of things to kidnap her, essentially. Yeah. And they'll and be successful in the end. Go ahead and listen to his plot. I'm Ace. I know it. Uh huh. Yes. It's funny how Ned Baby got it wrong. It's the you know his worker's wife. Her doctor doesn't even remember. Yeah. And using a process not unlike water fluoridation, a few drops. You recognize her from nine to five? No. Shrinking masses of people. Of course, for a few of us. Hey, I like it. Yeah, all right. And more? Well, I, I feel I would be the show. Check it out. I'll keep it going. Yeah. You have to count me out. Not too fast, then. I can't count you out. You know too much. Ah. And listen to what he says. I don't really understand everything it is, but I know. Now, that's what really counts. There you go. I really don't understand half the time what you guys are talking about. So do I really know too much? Now, if you have some ideas about how we should approach her, I've got ideas. Old Tan has got a plan A, sure. I, wasn't he in the, the toy? Like, I'm half expecting him to say, oh, oh yeah, he was in the toy, Ned Beatty. Yeah, he kind was of like, Jackie Gleason's, like, right-hand man. Yeah, and he did the and same was, thing. Oh, yeah. well, no, if he wants if he wants him, then yeah, that's the boy wants him. Now, last episode, I was complaining about how Dan Aykroyd is always the same guy. Ned Beatty really shares that, you know, he doesn't stretch. He doesn't He's, stretch. Always the same inflections, the same tone. But in fairness to him, unlike Dan Aykroyd, he's often playing the same. Well, Dan Aykroyd too, but he's often playing the same type of character. Well, you know, like Network, he's playing it straight. He's playing it very serious, and a lot of his other films right. he doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times they say we need a dead baby, but they put him in a position that's challenging. Like the character himself has some nuance to it. Up, oh, yes, blasphemy. Santa was not there. Listen, Santa's a well, white guy, and he was not at the manger because he doesn't exist. 
that we I think we saw a film that proves that he exists, right? Are you talking we, about Kirk Cameron's? Kirk Cameron, yeah. yeah, we did. So look, she can only wear doll stuff. So they're getting her superstar sissy house to live in and oh, all clothes. Heartbroken. Uh oh, this is the moment we've been waiting for. So oh. that's all we see, and I really think they missed a comedic point there because they could have done a lot of stuff with her. Big long chase with the dog, dog. Yeah. but they didn't. So the dog has to go. Just it's not safe for her. Oh, how sad. Yep. Uh, there's more more commercials. Like, yeah, this is a suburban. Like she lives in her own little dollhouse. Now, this I don't think is very funny. She's making a recording of her memoirs, and then she presses play to hear it, and it's so loud it rocks the... Oh. I don't think it's very believable, but you tell me if you think it's funny. Now she's going to press play. I love this giant machine. It looks fake to me, right? Uh oh. But it's not an emergency. Yes, the object. I don't know. I think there's a lot of politics. He's in this not movie. an object, Mike. What are you talking about? She, they're taking photographs of her like she's a thing. Oh my God. I don't know. I think there's a lot to this movie. I mean, that's I, I what I, I saw. Maybe There is uh, no feminism in this whole film. There is no feminism in this whole film. And there is no criminality against her that this movie was feminist. I mean, no. uh, what's the... Uh, what's the uh... Like, as a parent, you don't feel like you're ignored. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to this film. I, I, Look, I, I'm she's gonna... getting little, and that's why she's getting... Okay, okay, all right. You don't think it's a metaphor or a simile? No. Okay. All right. It could be. Look, the metaphor of the robots controlling <laughs> human life. They were, we're getting too dependent upon these machines, and they're going to destroy us. I like this. Oh, like the this. metaphor. Look, that's a real person. It's so clearly a real Yeah, person. right. It's a pretty cool props. That blew them up to... Betsy Wetsy! <laughs> Gross. That blew them up to uh, $20 million, scenes like this. What's, what do you put in a Betsy, what, Betsy Wetsy? You just put water. water. Well, I mean, if you're like hardcore and serious, you do put in pee if you're trying to do this for real. Whoa! Think about that flip she just did in the real world. Yeah, and I remember those puppets from Act One. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Henson was not a part of this production. He, he did not approve of this. He, he thought it had nothing to do with the Incredible Shrinking Man. Now, this is really funny because she gets drunk, and the plot here is Scrooge guy is trying to get her on a plane, and Ned Beatty's arranged it so yeah. that they can kidnap her. It's all so that she – watch this. <laughs> They'll do this joke again. <laughs> and she's really liking it. As an actress in the real world, you could tell he did it again. And she's supposed to be pretending she's drunk, but 
I think she was having a good time with it in as an actress. You'll see this. Pat. I have arranged for my private plane to fly you to our main design center. We want to start immediately. More champagne. What? Leave it up. You said it again. Okay, did it again. What do you say? You get your little things together and we can leave right away. Tonight. Get your little things together. <laughs> oh, is that, I, I think tonight. So basically, they're saying, like, we want to take you and make a doll, and this way we'll make money, and you can pay for your medical bills. And she's like, I don't want to be a product, right? I mean, right. that's the consumer. Right. So I'm not going to be part of the problem. But you would say now, that's a joke. He All right, fortune teller. God, the letters are so big. Ah, 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 ah. I'm short. Ah, ah, ah. You don't have to be short with me. What does that mean? You're seat downsizing. Don't be short. Right, I did see that, and the 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 wife didn't get downsized, and he was furious. And then she that divorced him and took all his money, so he was broke. Matt Damon plays a complete idiot in that film. He plays a really dumb guy. And it, that film made me realize how often Matt Damon has done that in movies. He's always, he plays the dumb guy. What I noticed about his performance is how physical his character is. Like, the way he walks is, like, you know, it's not dumb, but it's definitely, like, different from, you know, like, <laughs> you can have a sense of it. Yeah, I like him as an actor for that, for that reason. And yeah. And that movie. Great movie. Good double feature, right? Yes. Uh, downsizing and the Incredible Shrinking Woman. Uh, yeah, they kind of go together thematically, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe you get. Maybe that's your kink. Maybe you get off on that. Midget porn. Shrinking. Kink, I guess. Okay. Now, he gave her a sort of Sexy romantic doll dress. Yeah. So she is going to be in her house and she is going to get like see she isn't sexed up she doesn't get horny she gets loved up like she she like <laughs> they're so drunk this, in the 70s you could do drunk driving jokes sure. you could hit multicolored neon cars like that so she, she's got on her sexy nighty and she's going to the love of her life charles groden and you'll see it in her face. There's no horniness to her. There's loviness to her. Right. But he doesn't notice her. Not not because he's a man. It's just literally he doesn't see how small she is. And that's that's the, the satire. That's, the that's right. She does not notice. He does not notice. As a matter of fact, he just moves his body and she gets flung off the bed and rolls back to her house. You don't think that's a metaphor for the housewife trapped in 70s suburban California? Yes, yes, I do think that. You've made me see the light now. See, okay, the thank you. husband, thank you. the selfish husband is laying in bed. He could care less about his wife. She is an object for his no, pleasure to keep the, the house in order. <laughs> Look, marriage without sex book. He's yeah. like, I'm going to change that shit right now. 
<laughs> right. Look at all the money they spent on huge pillows. And... How fun is that? And they kept it. That's what's crazy, right? Boing! <laughs> oh, wow! If Jackass used that, uh, that prop, they must have <laughs> other props lying around. Yeah, they probably do have some... Like, where do you think it was? Like, in a warehouse of some movie studio? They have... Yeah. Let's Universal, this. Universal Studios. You know, it's funny you should mention that because in, in Jackass 4, they did it. You know how they do like a 0.5 movie supplement and it's usually the worst bit. Right. And, and everyone complaining how the stunts gave them PSTD and how everyone's the sadist. So one of the scenes they had, uh, like an outtake, they were on the Paramount Studios where they shot Godfather 1 uh -huh. or 2. Uh -huh. Godfather 2, like the, the scenes of Italy. And they had one of the the sunk guy put sushi in his body, and he's so and the sushi stayed there for a day or two. Okay. And, just, and they all got sick, and they all threw up on the set of Godfather Two. And that was a uh -huh. joke. Is that here's this pristine, uh, classic movie, and they're doing stupid shit on it on the set. <laughs> now she. Okay. This film was not well received and it did horrible at the box office. Like I told you, the budget was $20 million and they made $20,259,000. So they made $259,000 out of this film. Very disappointing for the these guys. No, this, this scene I definitely remember. She's getting way too small. Like it could be a metaphor for maybe if someone is sick and you're in a relationship, right? Yes. Yes, I see it. This is a all metaphor. Right. I open your eyes. I open your eyes. Getting sick. Look at all the money they spent on. She still bacon. has to cook. Every time, every time I watch this film, I'm thinking she could seriously burn her hand. Right. She could seriously, just trip and oop. Those things are the worst, anyway. Now, Concepcion is getting a little crazy. That's trying to say from the money. So he's like, "Are you going to do it?" Are you going to get on the plane and become the doll? And he's like, she's like, no, I really thought about it and I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be part of consumerism. You're talking about my job. Why don't you go ahead and listen? Okay. So now they're talking about the theme of the movie. Oh, the bacon's now, burnt. Yes. Now, the practical effects are very good in this film, but in that last scene we saw, you could tell that the smoke was superimposed. It's kind of like, what can they do about it? Right. So no, I don't know. now it's a metaphor for she's completely ignored as a woman, and she Thank will you. end <laughs> look at this, and she will end up falling into the garbage disposal, and they will turn on the garbage disposable as a metaphor for how disposable the <laughs> thank you thank you is and he's like but, i'm sorry we're not doing it call me back if this, you change your mind but the scene that where she falls in the garbage disposal which is now it, right 
but it look the movie acts up that she's dead and they do like this extended blackout i mean i do yep. remember that she she they think she's dead so it's now it's a kind of goodbye and okay so we called up and said we're not taking your doll offer so now they got to go to plan b and one of the Office for World Management people is going to come here to try to kidnap her. Well, I'll just let the movie play out. Okay. Oh, man. I love having a cigarette dangling off the counter like that. Yep, and it's burning. It could absolutely fall. And why is there a cigarette burning? Who smokes? She's only smoked. Mm, no. I don't see cons – Okay. When the agent comes to kidnap, they're going to be talking at the door, and there is no one smoking, but yet you'll see a whiff of smoke. And the internet thinks, oh, it must have been one of the cast people. But I right. think it was that cigarette. I think they meant it to be that cigarette hanging off the counter. Maybe when the cast of the crew members left it when they were building the sets. You know? Maybe, but it was a huge... <laughs> so, oh yeah, I guess so. Right? It was like uh, Cheech and Chong's dog poop joint. Yeah. Um, it's Maui Wowie. Yeah, my dog ate my shit. I had to follow him everywhere. Now, unfortunately for Concepcion, she is only a stereotype throughout this whole film. Now, she had a very brief career. It was not a big deal, but she did have a career. She yeah. was in Flatbush in 1970. The, the Lords of Flatbush. I remember you know that, that with Henry Winkler and uh, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. She was in Bad in 1977. She was in this film. And then she was like once in Kojak. And that's it. She went away. Uh, well, I mean, this is California's humor, I guess, in the 70s, too. Now, look, she turns on. But wait. Got to escape. Right. So now, because the door, somebody's at the door. So now she's going to build a disgusting food garbage pyramid. Now watch. Watch for the smoke. It'll be by his hand. Okay. All right. Yeah, there. he is smoking. Now the internet says, oh, clearly one of the cast, one of the behind-the-scenes people. But I don't think they would be smoking while they were shooting. It is an interesting note, but we only see one hand. Is he, like, trying to just knock on the doorbell and just sweet-talk to her? Well, he knocked on the doorbell and said, flower delivery for, you know, uh, for Pat, and it was little flowers, you oh. know. So he's trying to flirt with the Concepcion to, I don't know, to get into the house and get... Cross, he's free. He made it out, yeah. What a clean sink. Because it's a prop. Look at I, all the money they spent on this kind of stuff. And I think they did Hollywood. it well. I think it looks like miniature. Yeah. Oh, no. Everything's great. And it's also pointed because it's uh, against consumerism. So you have miniature, Ajax, you know, oversized Ajax and yes. it's brand name products. Props. I wonder, you know, the internet didn't teach me that. Listen, there wasn't a lot of info on this. Like, sometimes I'm going to, like, page nine of Google, finding little right. tidbits. That did not happen with this film. I wonder if they made money with product placement. Okay, I now— I don't know. I, you know, that's a really good point. It's like when Coca-Cola was in Natural Born Killers, he, they, they paid for that product placement, but it was used to just oppose this violence to cut to a commercial, and mm -hmm. they were kind of the butt of the joke. I don't, I don't know if they— 
sometimes products kind of go along with the joke and they're happy right. to be in it and other times they don't you know now look see the sneaker yeah pat must be dead but we know as an audience he's not well we didn't see it but his little timer went off and he left so his distraction like we saw a guy at the door and now we're supposed to put two and two together that the other guy was distracting Concepcion while oh, kidnapped her. But I don't think the movie did a very good job of making no, it clear really. that she isn't dead. She was kidnapped. Well, then we go to the funeral. So this is like six weeks later. No, we... they're Jewish. And so they want to get the body in the ground now. Gotcha. Just kidding. Just kidding. They're not Jewish. There's the flowers. They don't have anything but the sneaker, the doll sneaker. So they're going to put that in a matchbook. Look, oh, there's the nice Oh, okay. That explains why they're doing it so quickly. They're, they didn't have to go to the, they didn't have to talk to the cemetery. There you go. More product placement. Ohio, right. Right. Anywhere. You're right. That is the definitely an available product. That the was the coffin has a product placement on it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Product <laughs> placement brought to you by. Maybe I should have really checked out the credits and seen if there was. Well, we'll check it out. We'll see if they list it. I don't know if that was a big thing back then because there was a certain point in the 80s where they did have to put in the credits the product placement listing. By law? Yeah. Saying we got money for it to put this in the movie. And then they had a thing where they had to put a disclaimer saying we did not get money from the tobacco company for. Because. Oh. There were movies where Philip Morris was paying to do product placement. You know, you watch Working Girl, she shows up with a carton of cigarettes. Right. Uh, you know, James Bond, Timothy Dalton was smoking a brand name. And then they had to say, you know, this was a Look, product. Look, there's your fade out you talked about. Yeah, right. That's what I'm talking about. Like, the commercial goes here. So now I realize what it was. They were not, they were trying to show that she's been kidnapped. Here we see... By the way, this guy is not a re it's a guy in a monkey suit and Classic. he's done a bunch of uh monkeys in movies and that's a, like a big deal. Well, you know, John Landis his first movie Schlock uh wrote uh was him was the director in a uh, gorilla suit. Oh, okay. He okay, Rick Baker plays Sydney the gorilla in the film. Wow. The Rick he Baker a, who he was, later he did the recipient this. of us of an Oscar for Best Makeup for American Werewolf in London, yeah, which is what Tom Lendis went off to do. So how right. he was in both places. Like this guy was able to, oh, there's our, our jerk. There's too, Mark, from, yeah. From Friday's TV show on Tubi. Baker's career, especially his early fascination with gorillas and his work in three movies featuring, featuring them, is told in the TV documentary Gorillas Primal Contact. Huh. Makeup artist Rick Baker portrays Sidney the Gorilla himself in this movie, was released the same year that American Werewolf in London, the movie he won an Oscar for. Yeah, for I'm sure that Well, that was amazing special effects back then. It still is when you watch it. Well, you know, I didn't know it was a guy in a monkey suit until he was way too smart and people right. weren't scared of him. Well, so Training Places had a guy in a monkey suit at the end. Yes, he did. Yes, it yeah, did. And I think, yeah, that was... Uppers for Coco. Coco wants uppers. 
That's right. One gorilla, two gorilla. Look at them. They're in love. You know, Coco the gorilla recognized me, Carl. I never told you that story. And the second time I saw Coco the gorilla, he's like, no. "You." He goes, "You holding?" I go, I'm <laughs> "A little bit more than just that." He's like, "I think I think our friendship's a little skewed." He's like, "Holding? Yes, I'm holding." What does that have to do with anything, Coco? <laughs> Look at Mark doing his comedic acting here. Yeah, we love him. Right over the top, exaggerated, pratfall kind of stuff. He'll do it throughout the film. Now, we saw him also in National Lampoon's class reunion. We did? I didn't pay attention. Oh, we saw that movie years ago, but he was that one, was one of, the... of the first movies I really did with you. Yeah. And I get, or it was the first year, 2016 or something. Yes. Because so much of that film I don't remember. We did actually two National Lampoon movies in one go because they did a movie called Movies, Movies, or Ghosts in the Movies. Uh, which is three segments of parodies, and I think it was it was just not fun to watch. So we just went to the other well to the other movie as well. We did. I don't remember that one, maybe because we quit on it. But we yeah. did like a series of like four or five in a row. Oh, absolutely, National Lampoon around Replicate. the same time. Yeah, yeah. Replicate, right? I know it was funny. I was actually going through the archives and I saw a bunch of references because I get Going I get the distance. Uh, Robo Doc was National Lampoon. Robo Doc, but there was um, there was more Carl. Honestly, yes. We saw the big one, which is Robert Altman directing O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, and that was like literally one of the. I was a guest on your show at that time. I guess so. Yeah. Uh. So Mark has come back. It's after hours, and he is drunk, and Lily Tomlin is trying to convince. Like, get the keys, monkey. Get the keys. This is all California. Um, yeah. The grocery store is in Yosemite Drive, Los Angeles. The Kramer okay. House is in North Hollywood. North the Hollywood. Institute, yeah, the Kleinman Institute is in Pasadena. This is all Southern California. This is where, like, again, there's all of the kids. This is what America looks like to us. Like, this is what California looks like. And And the stage, you know, like... Universal Studios in in uh, Universal City. Yeah, that's in North Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, how crazy! So now, like, he goes, "They're trying to capture me for my blood," and he's like, "No, they're not. They told me they weren't." You know, so Mark Blankfield will never be convinced until he actually sees a document that says "Top Secret," and he goes, "Holy cow!" Wait, turn it up, because he does a... He does a it will help all humanity. They told me so. Right. Hey, he does a 180. He goes, look at this. <sighs> he took the keys back. It's Their plan was defeated. Place people are used like guinea pigs. Even Sydney. You've got to help me call my husband. See, that's when I started realizing he must have been a human. His eyes went, whoa! Like he right. Well, he sighed, too, when he got caught. Turn it up now. Turn it up. Okay, this isn't the scene. I'm wrong. She's like, they're using me for such and such. And he goes, no, they're not. And she goes, read it there. And she goes, they're using you for such and such. Like he does oh, a that's one. A great line. And then he becomes their ally for the rest of the film. Good. He seems like that type of character. 
Oh, this there you gorilla is just too human. He's just too human. No, I remember listening to uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast when they had Griffin Dunn, who was the star of American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. And this, he did, I, I hate telling stories that I heard from podcasts, but he said that he ripped the first day he ripped off his werewolf mask in front of Rick Baker and Rick Baker went, <gasps> you know, like it was the worst <laughs> thing you could possibly do. <laughs> I just thought okay, it was so Look at all the money they spent on huge file folder and huge guinea pig water. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. And but, a huge wheel, hamster wheel. and. Oh, but well, then they reuse them for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, it's like a top secret file in the background. Oh, man, this movie is so boring. Even the gorilla it's just yeah. not. Now look, she finds it. She finds Finally. it. Page four took her six hours. In pink. World shrink plan. They're planning to shrink the world. They are not. Whoa, they're planning to shrink the world. It's I can't good. wait for this double take. Yeah. Now that I popped it up, it won't be as. No, I can't wait. Sometimes I miss these jokes, so I, I'm aware of it now. With Pat Kramer as our guinea pig. He's literally in a guinea pig cage. Coco. Coco kill. I think that's the reason why they kicked me out. I taught Coco how to kill. Coco kill. When when my um, oldest son was like one, Marcus would go to him and he'd say, he'd go, he'd go no. Like he tried to teach Ryan to be disobedient. <laughs> did it work no no nah, it, it would have worked if he was talking to like a two-year-old but he wasn't right, of course. He was talking to a one-year-old oh gonna get to the phone oh remember the rotary lock yes now she's going to be in peril she is trying to go to the phone and you know she look how they made chew marks on it yeah they really spent the money and you think she's going to use the pencil to dial the rotary, but she doesn't. It, this happens. Now, look what Coco, Coco does. No, she's in peril, and Coco will save her. Yay. Uh, thank you, Coco. Listen, I, I wanted my money back. I came to see an incredibly shrinking woman, not a guy in a monkey suit. Now we're going to have the double take. Page ten. Read Shrink the world. Sydney too. Sydney, oh no. You can see his mouth moving. Yeah. That was it. That was great. That was Memorable. it, and maybe I talked it up a little more. No, then. that was fantastic. When you're not expecting it, maybe it's a lot funnier. But he really does his job in this film. Like you mentioned, the way he was reading it with his lips. He was really yeah, right. active. It's all, but, you know, it, it's like we, we respect the director and the screenwriter. They're doing a savvy job. So the decision to cut it and not give it air is interesting. Right? He goes, they're doing it. And they cut right back. <laughs> to 
So he's talking to Charles. She's talking to Charles Grodin. She's got him. Oh, good. Love it. That's a little nod to her earlier character because everyone knows Lily Tomlin. So she did the uh, the multiple characters before Eddie Murphy. I guess it's just Jerry Lewis would do that a lot. You know, playing playing yeah, your sellers. It wasn't groundbreaking what she did. It was just kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a tradition, comedy tradition. Uh, uh, Alex Guinness, uh, uh, people playing multiple characters without it's without forethought. It's world management. They're breaking in to break up this party. They know that a phone call went out. Turn it up. Oh, we kind of missed it. He comes in and he goes, you are in big trouble, little lady. Uh, yeah, I got you. Okay, come on, Coco. Yeah, I'm on Coco's side. She's running on the hamster wheel. Right, it's this existential joke. It's hapless. Oh, the Jackie King show. Oh, should I know that? I don't know that. No, it's a fake show. Oh, okay, okay. My wife is alive. Told me she's been kidnapped. I called the police and they didn't believe me. She's being held by a group that call themselves... The Organization for World Management. You don't believe me either. My wife is alive. My wife is alive. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Oh well, you turned off the sound. It's very funny because it's so Charles Grodin. She goes. He goes. My wife's alive. My wife's alive. I'm really sorry for yelling at you. <laughs> gotcha. I did cut it off. You see how that they've got her trapped under a funnel. Yeah. That's all it takes when you're this little. You know, The Incredible Shrinking Man, the, a lot of those movies get remade. I don't think I've seen, like, because the point is that she's going to eventually get so small she disappears, right? That is the point, yeah. And I'm, maybe Ant Man plays with that. You know, oh no, don't get too small. You'll go into the quantum zone or whatnot. Well, yeah, and then at the end, that was the movie fart, right? If you right. go into the quantum zone, he could save the dead. And then in Endgame, it's the same sort of thing. He had to go into the quantum zone. And I, I haven't seen the third one because it hasn't played on my uh, streaming service yet. But Which third one? The Ant-Man. Oh, quantum. there's a new one? That's right. Yeah. And he, he goes to the quantum zone, and there's a guy who's using the quantum zone to take over the worlds. Look how he hangs himself up so he just looks like a coat. Yeah. Oh, he's scared of that monkey. No, it's for the camera. Waiting for the camera Waiting before for the camera. he's too smart for a monkey. Too yeah, smart. this is where you're in the audience like, wow, how did they train that monkey to know? Right. To make eye expressions. Jeez, look at that hair. That was the norm. He's from the Office of World Management or the organization. And he's disclaiming. That's like helmet hair right there. Yep. I didn't like that guy so much. I didn't even look up his credits. I yeah, we don't like. He's a bad guy. Use imagination. <laughs> right in the eye. <laughs> I hope that was the yeah. only take, right? That kid would go on. He started his career on chips, 
as a kid. You saw the some... chips poster. There was a chips poster in the wall in this movie. Yeah, that's yeah. what, and they did it on purpose because that was his. his oh, intro. how about that? And he had a long career, you saying? No, no, he didn't have a long career. He just was a child actor. I wonder what other channels they have in that in that evil lair. Nope. They only yeah, seem the, to have the one channel, whatever's relevant to the movie. Yeah, as as they do. Um, this movie marks the film debut of Justin Dana, who plays Kramer's son, Jeff. Jeff has a poster in his bedroom of his television series debut, Chips, 1977, three years earlier. That's really cute. Oh, no. That, of course, they're banana peels, right? Hang on, I gotta stop laughing. Oh, my sides. Oh, I my mean, ribs. It's such an obvious joke. You even did it on fish burgers. Oh, right. I ate a banana while singing and then I slipped. I yeah, we were doing like best love drug songs. And we, it we, was so funny how you did it. You ate a banana and then you dropped the peel and singing it over you went, slipped. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah. It was so. Now, of course, in the world of comedy, it's only funny if a gorilla watches you slip on the banana peel. If you have no right. no gorilla witnessing it, it's not as funny. So now we're going to get a big escape escape scene. Which I remember as a kid. Like this yes. gorilla scene was like what really made it for me as a child because it was just silly, you know. Now, I've seen this film a bunch of times. There's two actresses that I wanted to call out, but I can never see them. Well, who are they? Do you remember the actress Julie Brown? Not downtown Julie Brown from MTV. Yeah, sure. Who did Earth Girls Are Easy. Oh, no. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I met her, actually, in, in person. Oh, very, very actress person. Julie Brown has noted that Tomlin, after seeing Brown perform live, gave her her first film role, casting her in this film, oh. thus qualifying her to receive a SAG card. That's really cool. But I never, never see her. The other one is in the grocery was uh, a young Sally Kellerman. Wait, am I wrong? Oh, Sally really? Kirkland. Sally Kirkland. Who, yeah, the late Sally Kirkland, who we love in Meatballs 3, Summer Job. Yes. Yeah. And so, okay, a former member of Andy Warhol's The Factory and an active yep. member of the 60s avant-garde theater. She appeared in more than 250 films, 60-year yes, career, the daughter of the fashion editor of Life Magazine and Vogue, Sally Kirkland. Yeah. That's, she, whoa, that's the same name. The Haunted, Cold Feet, The Best, JFK, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. She had a serious career, and I could not find her face in any grocery scene. You see how he flipped him the bird? He's too smart. At this smart. point, you might. Yeah, at this point. You know it's a, it's a man. Did you know the camera was on? I guess, yes. Another pals. So now That's... we find out that their secret hiding place is really in their very own shopping mall where the grocery was. Oh, Consumer World. Yeah, watch Mark earn his money, man. Watch him do his job. He will slip and fall and twist and yep, turn. Yeah, stands up. Spazzes. Yep, he's perfect. I'm I sure they did eight takes, too. It 
Polarity. Oh, wacky Heiser. Stone Cops. He's got it to Oh, Burger out. Power. Oh, you know, I think I know this area. Oh, really? Maybe. Being Let's a long time. Here. Burger Power. Burger Power. Is 4915 Eagle Rock Road in Los Angeles, California. If you want to. Eagle Rock Boulevard. Eagle if Rock. You go find it. Not our right. Eagle Rock. Not the Eagle Rock Reservation. Not West Orange, where you can yeah. see the 9-11 memorial and you the panorama took me to that memorial. Yeah. So it's it's a view in the park where you can see the skyline. So you see where Twin Towers were. And then there's a big statue of a little girl in shock watching the towers being destroyed while holding a teddy bear. Yep. And it's just like, what? Okay, now, he realizes she's at her home mall and she's happy about that. And she's climbing to the speaker, right? Which will, will call to everyone to amplify her voice metaphor. And yes, this is a metaphor for the un, unsung, never listened to woman. Yes, who is oppressed. Okay, and this is the scene in which she will disappear. Okay, and then and it ends. Course, another big Lily movie. Tomlin. This. The neighbors, like, I knew she was alive after before. She was like, I knew she'd die. And they're right by the cheese, the cheese teas from the beginning of the movie. From the beginning. Go ahead, and listen. See the KFC in the background? Yes. He's wrapping up. Now, Rob, Rob, you take care of Paige's hand. Forget the right hand. And Sydney, you take care of Rob. Wah, wah. I feel just like I'm becoming part of everything. <laughs> Lily double take there. Yeah. Look where she goes. No. How did that gorilla do that? And how did Dad show up? Good no skin? Into infinity. He said and goodbye in advance. 93 till infinity. Into infinity and beyond. No skin, huh? But look, he lands in a pile of gobbledygook, a mixture of, of colored. Just like the thing that made her shrink. I wonder what could happen. Well, oh, I think Coco's trying to sign something. Well, do we have an effect where we see her body covered in goo? We don't. And I really think the ending of this movie is tacked on. We will see now her swirling around in the mix of these chemicals. The next thing you know, she's all the way 100% grown and walking into the house. Weird. Yeah, weird. And they missed a comedic opportunity here and a movie plot point. I mean, we should definitely see her growing and realizing she's getting better and okay watch you'll see her swirling around in there so now we go here and it, it tacks on an ending and all it would have taken is maybe about two minutes of screen time to show us the scene in which she begins to grow and they chose not I, to do it. i think they you know they did what they did i guess it's weird because they really did spend the time to with the other effects 
Yes, they really did. Even, you know, this movie was going to be 3D. Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Robert Ballack's tests of Lily Tomlin in various scenes were shot for the movie in the 3D format, which was having a resurgence of interest in the United States at the sure, time. coming at you. We did that movie. This was right before you joined, Carl, uh, a 3D movie for 1981. It was a spaghetti western that was released in America. Uh-huh. He's waiting want... till midnight. They're going to have a vigil. And that guy is probably someone famous. He looks like he is. He looks like John Landis. Yeah, he really does. And it can't be. No, it can't be. The internet would have definitely told me. We would have known. I would have known. I mean, John can't, uh, John Landis, Landis cameo, we, we recognize. We saw John Landis cameo in that uh, erotic thriller movie. With uh, la with the loudmouth radio guy, Robert Mort Downey. Morden, Morden. Downey Jr. Uh, there it is. The neighbors are having a visual. Polyester and, and uh, candlelight are, are dangerous combination, Carl. Yeah, go right up in flames. Now we're seeing around the world with different languages of talking sure. about, but we're seeing stock footage, really. Oh, really? They didn't run a camera over there? Scrooge guy was our Star Trek uh, connection, just to say it before we leave. Yeah. Well, here's my, Mark Blank. He's earning his money, man. He's sad and crying. He's doing his job. Do you get the joke that they show all the, the big cities in the world and it ends with Burbank? Right. Oh, no, I didn't get that joke. London, right. Rome, Burbank. Now, this lone car comes up and these cops go, this lady says she belongs here. It's not believable. Oh, this is how it ends. Look, there's Ned, the evil guy now. now right. And Ned, after she comes back, will say, arrest this man to the cops. And they go, you didn't do anything. And he goes, no, 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 no. trust me. Mom! Pat. We call her Pat or Pam. We should see this scene, but she's telling what happened. We should see what happened. Right. But I have very few complaints about this movie. That's one of them. The other one is we don't have the inciting incident. I mean, I think it's a little tonally broad and, and pointed, but sometimes comedy, well, like parodies. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not yet. It's not yet. It's bland tonally, but sometimes comedies. Finish your thought. Oh, there you go. Well, what I'm saying is that this movie is a satire. It's a parody, you know, of consumerism. Let's just stop it there. Yes. And there, there is some feminist stuff, but I'll stop. But a lot of the scenes are slapstick. They're literally banana peel slipping. And, and yeah, and Mark Blankfield alone. Yeah, he's the slapstick. So they mix slapstick and, like, kind of pointed satire together. And they reunite her with the monkey. Right. And the Lily Tomlin neighbor's going to be like, is a monkey really going to live in our neighborhood? That's the sequel. Oh, the ring fits. Well, well, Mike, Mike, the ring is going to end up not fitting. Because you can guess our twist ending. It's so obvious mm. it's smacking you in the face. That's funny. That's funny. Carl should fit. Uh oh, sequel. Uh oh, yeah, right. And it didn't come, but right. Oh, what's that noise, Carl? Yeah. 
Uh oh. Come on, Lily, give us that look. End the movie. Galaxy Glue. What would we do without Galaxy Glue? Holy shit, even the ending. This song will stick in your head, and after two watchings, that was secured, and I'm falling asleep going, hmm, Galaxy Glue. You know? I mean, how cool. It ends with the commercial. Carl, what's think of this movie? I enjoyed this movie. I think it was a good job. I don't know why it was a box office bomb. I right. don't know why John Landis quit on it because the budget was cut. He could have still made this great. He didn't make a mistake. He went on to do a fabulous film and secure himself as. But yeah. but I I really like this film. I like that there were multiple characters played by um, Lily, Lily Tomlin. I like that her wife was the author of it because it yeah. shows their relationship professionally and personally. I think Charles Grodin did a good job. I think that that Beatty did a good job. This this was a, I'm already mentioned my pet peeves with the film, but what film are you going to see and not have a few? It was really you, good. You had recommended this movie and I was like this but this is a good movie. I was surprised to see like a good movie on YouTube and I guess it bombed and got ancient so people forgot about it, you know, but we also, there's Cindy listed as Richard A. Baker. We haven't really mentioned the director got a lot of crap for one of the Batman movies. And I think, yeah. like, in the time of Ain't It Cool News, he became, like, a, a real, like, a lot of just bullshit kind of thrown at him. And yeah. uh, there's here. Yeah. What did you think of this film? Oh, I love this movie. I absolutely really? love this movie. And I loved it as a kid, and I haven't seen it since. And just rewatching it with you now. It's it's holds it it's it still holds together. I and I do think it is a, a parody, a satire about a woman's role in suburbia, and mm -hmm. and I'll stand by that. But you know, it was one of those films as a kid where I realized that comedy can do a lot more than just watch people slip on a banana peel in front of a gorilla. So <laughs> it's this Even is definitely that's like exactly what they did. Yeah, right. Even though they so they do have stuff for kids, but they also. Show this is a good movie for kids. I, I I definitely think like it's smart, and it challenge it offers a lot of challenges. And uh, Universal City Studios, John. Now I didn't see any reference to product placement. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, what a great film, Carl. Good good call. Yeah. This film, Carl uh, saw it and and flagged it, and I'm glad we did it. Yeah, really good choice. Oh, what did I just do? Did I just log? Okay, so uh, let's. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this movie too. Every week we are on Mutiny Radio at two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where we watch a new movie. Next week, Carl, the movie is. I'm really excited about this film. Nice Girls Don't Explode from 1987 is the film that we'll be watching. Uh, you think we'll find a trailer? Yeah, I think they might be. Let me go ahead and find it. Uh, trailer: Nice Girls Don't Explode. This is a movie I saw. Uh, I rented from a video uh, store in '88. I was '89. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I was definitely like um, in college at the time. I remember watching this in my dorm room. And okay, there is of... a trailer. Okay. There's one that's next on HBO, and there's another one that is by Video Detective. Nice Girls Don't Explode, 1987 trailer. 
Okay, we probably should do. Uh, uh, nice girls has a ret rare retro trailer, so let's go with that. Uh, okay, rare. Let me look. It's two it. minutes. Yeah, I found it. Rare retro trailers. I'm pressing. I'm pausing, rewinding to zero. Okay, in three, two, one, go. New world. Where's my thumbprint? You know this is a long trailer. Two minutes. Women, you can't live with... What? Nice girls don't explode. The film of uncompromising insights. If you want to make friends, you've got to take chances. Sean. He is great, and I actually had the pleasure to meet him. April wants to be like other girls, but she can't. Because April grew up different. That cat's in the entire movie. We live in a strange parallel universe, and everyone explodes here, but it's no big deal. Why would they blow now she drives men crazy. Drives boys wild. Fluffy. Was she born in April? <laughs> Humiliated cat. The cat's throughout, I guess she just said. But you've seen this. Yeah, in 87. Great, great, great. Did you expect me to believe that? I know that face. Yeah. Nice. Girls. And who is she? I know her. Don't. What? Explode! <laughs> Blowing up. Oh, I can't wait. The whole point of this podcast is to watch movies like this, and then finally somebody posted it on YouTube. So for for sure, we're watching the classic Nice Girls Don't Explode. Carl, can I tell you a line from the movie I remember? Yes, please. Uh, he wants to be play, play ping pong. The guy says, so you you going to go to China to play ping pong? He goes, uh-huh. And is Fluffy coming? No, they eat cats in China. That's the line I remember from this movie. Anyway, it is a, uh, despite me recalling this line, it's basically like a Jackie O mom in her pillbox hat keeps reins in with her uh, daughter who explodes anytime she gets uh, uh, sexually awakened, I guess. Oh, when she gets aroused, she ex she starts flaming thing? Okay. Mm -hmm. Great! So that'll be next week's movie. So we hope to, for you to check it out the movie and then join us next week, whether it's through your video subscription, your podcast subscription, or just listening to Mutiny Radio. And of course, as always, please donate to Mutiny Radio. Go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, go to Venmo at Mutiny Radio, throw a couple dollars. We appreciate it. Carl, I appreciate everything you did for this show. Uh, this week's show was fantastic. Great song, great interview. Great Thank research. you. Happy to do it. 
All right. And audience, we hope you had a good time, and we'll see you next week. Later. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike. I did it. It's me, Dakota Price, the host with the most here, bringing you the Trust Me, My Friends and Expert podcast. Listen to these sweet tunes for a minute, and I'm going to bring you guests. Yes. I think the thing about cartoon characters is, like, you can imagine how they look. Like, you can just choose how they would look. She look like Marceline when she pop a bean And she rock with me, I pull up to the scene She's a fiend, strawberry ice cream Meet me at the tree And she ask, are you scared of me? Yeah, I am, but it don't matter Cause you look like Marceline when she pop a bean And she rock with me, I pull up to the scene She's a fiend, strawberry ice cream Meet me at the tree And she ask, are you scared of me? Yeah, I am, but it don't See you in my dreams. Clay guitar, Shotty really got it all. I won't stop. No Be there at the crack of dawn. I'm a man now. Now she wanna fall. See, she want my love, but she don't know who to call. If I shoot my shot, then I better not miss. Shotty mentioned that she likes roses and gifts. That's a lie, cause when I tried, she got pissed Go outside, you're looking pale I'm sorry, I didn't mean it I'm sorry I feel like Adventure Time, like when I was younger After watching some of the right, episodes guys, I always got, like, had like an existential We're, we're live here like at Mutiny Radio This is Trust Me, My Friends and Expert And uh, I have two experts here in the booth with me uh, I got Dava How do you say your last name? Munyan Munyan? I like your fucking, uh, your Insta- you mind if I shout out, how do you say your Instagram? Because, like, the way I like to say it is, like, damn onion. Like. <laughs> that is so clever. I never, I never actually thought of it like that, but I say dumb onion. It's dumb onion. Dumb onion, okay. dumb onion. I'm like, da- uh, d- damn onion. Damn onion. <laughs> damn onion. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. So mean. Dumb onion. It's an A, not a U. <laughs> Dumb onion on Instagram. Please follow me. I'm really fun, and I post really cool stuff. You'll like it. I promise. Yeah. Uh, you ski? Yeah. So <laughs> I used. Well, I still ski, but I used to be a professional skier. Wow, skiing. On a scale of like maybe 
maybe like eight years from the Olympics, which is not bad. Yeah. Um, you you ski start skiing at three years old, dude. Actually, no. There's this one skier who's really cool, Tommy Ford, and he started actually getting into it when he was ninety. My age, and oh he yeah. still he still skis to this day, and he's like thirty something, which is oh pretty yeah. cool. He had a nasty fall. My man's literally like knocked himself out. That's that's the reason why I kind of left that sport. There's a lot of reasons why I left the sport. Dude, skiing's dangerous. What yeah, the fuck? dude, it's fucking dangerous. I swear to God, wear a fucking helmet. Listen to me, wear uh, a helmet. Anyone yeah, who doesn't, I don't wear a helmet riding the Bay Wheels bikes around here, which I probably should. I would recommend that living in San Francisco. I've already I've, d- I've already done in, uh, I've already been in three bicycle accidents. Uh, I got door checked, like 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 classic, <gasps> like in a movie style. Oh like the God. door opened up, and I ran into it and, and flew off. Were you okay? Dude, I bounced and I was up perfectly fine, oh and I was shit. pissed. You know, it's funny. I yeah. started I started laughing because like I looked and I did like the check, and I was like, man, I'm not even scratched or bleeding. Like, <laughs> I can't sue no one. No. I'm sure. like fucking. I need to get hit by a muni bus. <laughs> That's what needs to happen Did so I can catch a check. Uh, so y- that's crazy. Uh, you ski. Uh, you know what? You you, you do. It. What the fuck? Already, I have a collar. Oh shit! Wow. Dude, I don't even know who's gonna be. Fuck it. I I wasn't even taking collars yet, but since you're here. Hi. Yo, you're on mute. New radio. What's up? Dakota. Hello? Is this Dakota? This is Dakota. This is Scotto calling you back. Oh, hey, Scotto, we fixed it. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Mr. Well, Scott, congratulations. Hi. I will see you Friday. Thank you, Scotto. I'll see you Friday. Right, bye. Bye, Scotto. Oh, my God. We were in, you were in so much stress. I was. Here. Oh, my God. I forgot, Scotto. Uh, okay. <laughs> technical, technical modification. Uh... <laughs> Spencer is crawling into Narnia right now. Uh, I also have Spencer Divine with me in the booth. Woo! Yeah! I'm down here. I'm down here. I'm down here. here. Um, (laughs) Shit, dude. Hey, how's everybody doing out there? Living the dream? Fucking, uh, I gotta tell my grandma to listen. I gotta make sure she's listening. Grandma's listening. Oh, hi, Grandma! You should be very proud of your son. He's a wonderful Mm -hmm. man. Yeah, my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Wonderful. I think that's so cool that you parents are so Yeah, my grandma is a gangster. And uh fucking anyway, I'm sorry, I got distracted. I I need you know, phones are really bad for you. I know. So uh and the way that they take like No, so like look, real real quick, you do a lot of social media stuff mm-hmm. and uh like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you do a lot of <laughs> uh, and I know I know how taxing that can be because currently I'm operating three uh fucking ins- three different social medias and mm-hmm. uh kind of crazy. Like, do you ever feel like it's like too much and like there's like you gotta like set like real hard boundaries like of when you can and can't like internet. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have experienced. Now, 
parents. designed to keep you on there. So you gotta make sure that you and like keep you there. Yeah, it's even just literally like everything is colorful hey, and you're so washed and No, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. It's literally a casino on your so even the titting goes titting yeah. when you have the I fucking have messenger or like on. your messenger uh yeah, well, I was gonna say if you if you are or if you're a crazy person like me and like sounds, uh, <laughs> so on the messengers it has a little like the sound for like when someone's typing it on the computer. Someone looks at someone's discussing their screen sound God. from the Facebook Messenger. Damn. Yeah. That's Exactly. <laughs> Sounds like an airplane like secretly checking. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I DM'd her and she looked at it. <laughs> oh, no. we're gonna get married. That's a good fucking question. That's like that's one of the things where you gotta like set boundaries. Of course, uh, the maximum. The yeah, maximum be eleven. I would put it at like college. Wow! Oh wow, shit! She really took that scale and went. Yeah. College. Yeah. College yeah. It's, <laughs> it's about a college basketball. Of like your <laughs> Which I'm like, yo. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I've seen, I've seen that corner. <laughs> I don't <laughs> get it great. though. I mean, dude, that's I not the worst thing I've seen I'm in someone's sorry. DMs, dude. Like, I, I have horny friends that are just like, dude, check out these DMs that like I be getting from strangers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like they're, they're like, yeah, I just like to t- text you. I'm like, what do you? And then I read these messages. I'm like, you are an insane person. But you that looks that? like. Like well, like, dude, no, there's no, there, yeah, like, there's some crazy shit that I've s- seen, like, with some horny friends of mine, that are just like, and it's just some dark shit. Uh, like, no bad, like, you know, more one, power to them. W- one time out of every million. You yeah, but like, to poop on your whatever Yeah, but like, it does get. I bet okay. it does get weird. But like, scientifically, farts would not kill your bones. Well, how do you know? Done an experiment. Like, probably some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ripping <laughs> apart my logic here. <laughs> <So> <laughs> assume if what if you, if you had an inflatable inflatable raft full of farts, 